What's up, everybody? This is season eight of the Disciple Makers podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today's episode is taken from the Exponential Conference of 2020. Discipleship.org got to set up early and bring our partners in to share some teachings and messages and have some responses before the event actually began. And on today's clip, we're going to be featuring Shidanke Johnson. And I just got to say, I've heard this man teach so many times, and this is one of my favorite teachings of his, actually. He talks about storytelling, and he goes into detail the methods that he uses to share the gospel and to spread the kingdom and to disciple people. It's incredible. So I'm going to stop talking now, and we're just going to dive in. This is Shidanke Johnson from the Exponential Pre-Conference 2020. Here we go. We want to move to the second thing, and each of these are tied in. They're cyclical, but they're also sequential. So it begins as Jesus did with his ministry of fasting and prayer, but then it also then leads to serving with purpose. And so I'd like to ask Shadonke if he could come back up, and he's going to take a few minutes talking about serving with purpose, how it works in their movement. And then Corey Tremble is going to come up and join Jim Putman, and we're going to interact with these principles. So if you would please uh, join with me in welcoming Shidanke back up. Shidanke? As I was talking about prayer, one of the things I wanted you to know is that we can start small. We always have this mindset. Start small to end big. Don't start big to end small. You know, so as you think about how can I start a prayer culture, don't start big, start small. Baby steps, maybe two hours of prayer, you know, a day per week. Encourage others, can you join me, do three hours of just prayer and fasting in a week? Especially the fasting, you can start from three hours, once a week. And see how many people we buy in. And then after that, you can say, can we push it to six hours? Can we push it to ten hours? Gradually, those baby steps. And then it will become their culture. Once it becomes their culture, you don't need to tell them. They can do it on their own. So it's very important as we take those steps. Well, the second thing we are going to talk about, when we pray, we don't only pray and sit down. We pray and act. Because it's also very important. Jesus says something that is very clear. Many times we are praying that people somewhere will do it. You know, we pray that God will use other people somewhere. But, you know, it's hard time we change the way we pray. You have to ask that God, you know, I'm available. If I'm that kind of person, God use me. Because when he gave the great commission, he gave it to all of us. It's for all of us. So one of the things we also, as we pray, when we have communities or tribes, we are working among 56 tribes right now as I speak to you. 56 tribes. And I want you to know some of those tribes are very difficult tribes. And some of them are in areas where it is very challenging to get to them. And the majority of these 56 tribes you are working among are all Muslims. And few of them are African, from the African traditional religion background. But majority of them are all Muslims. Now, so one of the things we do as we pray, we also ask God to to open the door for us so that we can go in these communities. 
one of the, one of the strengths that the church has that we are not we are using it, but many of us are not using it intentionally. We use even our service intentionally. And we use it with the hope that God will use the service that we are doing so that his name will be glorified in any way that he can do it. So serving with purpose is that we go to communities and we try to find out first what is the need of the community. What is the need of the community that we are going to? This tribe that we are going to or this area of the city, this segment of the population that we are going to, what is the need of that community? What is their need? We do all our research and then when, once we discover the need of the community, we come out and we sit down with them. Some of them, the need of the community is something that affects the whole community. And so we sit down with the leaders of that community, having done our own research. And then we ask them, what is the need of this community? I will tell you for 10 chances to one, already because we've done a very good research, they will come out with the same needs of the community. And then we'll ask them a second question. What plan do you have? How are you going to address this problem? Because we want to plan together with them. And they will say, well, we have not been thinking, we have been really thinking, but we don't have any way to address this problem. We also ask the question, what do you have? What do you think is available in your community, in your tribe? What is available in this tribe to solve the problem that you have? You know, it will surprise you that there are times, there are a lot of things available, but they, don't, they are not even seeing it. They don't have the eyes to see it. And we'll point out some of the things that they have, or some of them will say, we think we have the, the, the human labor. We have people who can solve this problem, or we have the local people who can do something about it. And once we discover the needs and together we discuss, how can we solve this problem together? They come up with what is available. And our own job is that we don't make a promise. We tell them, you know, we'll see We'll try to walk alongside with you and share your needs with other people and see how we can come along to serve you. Let's say, for example, drinking water. Some of the communities we go to, they walk miles up to get drinking water. They don't have drinking water. And so we go to these communities. We know that we've already done our research, need-based research, and we realize that what they need is water. We all find out the need, and then we say, okay, what do you have here? And they will tell us, Oh, we have young men who can dig wells if it comes to that. We have the land and we can also provide some food for work for what they're doing. But they don't have the expertise in people who know how to do the work. And our own job is, okay, we will bring the experts to do this work. And you will provide the laborers that you have, the ground where you want the world to be done. And by doing this, we are doing it in partnership with them. We are serving the community. And as we serve the community, because relationship has been created out of this, through that service, we have people that are praying that God use our service in the community to glorify your name in that community or in that tribe or in that area. And let's say it is wealth. Every engineer we bring to that community is already a good disciple maker and a church planter. For us, it's very intentional. Wherever you go among the movements, if you see a teacher, that teacher is a good disciple maker and a church planter. You find an engineer, it's the same. 
You find on agriculture is the same. Because as a leader, I've said, there's no way you are going to be part of this movement without first the core business. Our core business is making disciples and planting churches and multiplying leaders. That's our core business. You have to understand our core business. And all other things are secondary to our core business. That's why drivers are involved in the process of planting churches. So we serve the community. In the process of serving, let's say we are digging well, these guys will begin to ask questions about the community. Why? Tell me the history of this community as they are doing the wells. They are digging the wells. Tell me the history of the community. And they will tell you the history of the community because they know their community very well. And the next is, tell us some of the leaders in this community that have been really great, that have served this community over the years, and they will tell you all the leaders. They are happy to tell you. And we'll also ask them, do you know any stories in this community about light and darkness? Any stories about light and darkness? Oh, yes. They will tell you stories about darkness. They will tell you stories about night. And we'll ask them to tell us stories about themselves. And they will tell us about their families and why they carry the names. In Africa, many names have meaning. Many names have meaning. For example, I am called Shodanke. My full name is Shodanke Batilo Egujama Bajala Johnson. Now you need several complimentary cards for that. Now, so, but basically, each of my names, Shodanke means son of peace. Batilo means everybody's son. Egujama means he is harmless. Bajala, don't touch him. So if I go to any community, I tell them my name, they will all laugh. And they say, you are a son, so we will not touch you. We will not touch you for evil. So many names have meanings. And it's always interesting to unpack the meaning of those names. While, we are, while they are doing this, they are creating relationship. And out of that relationship, one of the things that will happen is that out of this relationship, we begin to tell the story. One thing that is important, you first have to listen to them. You first have to listen to them. You know, three things that I want every one of us that are going to be disciple makers and church planters to understand as you are serving the community, as you pray and you go to serve the community. Three things that is important. Number one, be a great listener. Listen to the people, great listener. Listen to them. Be a great listener. Listen to them. Listen to their stories. Even if you, it's here in the state, I've done that so much in the states. I listen to the stories of people in the states. When I go to new communities, I listen to them. But the second thing is that be a great learner. I also learn from them. You are not only coming to you, learn from them. Be a great learner. Even if you know something, pretend you don't know. I will tell you a story as we serve communities. I have a friend who is in San Jose. We went for a conference in San Jose, so I stayed in his house. But this man has never traveled out of California. So he has a little understanding about the world. Hearing about Africa, he thinks in Africa there's nothing like even electricity. There's nothing like some of the things he has. So he took me around his house. He was teaching me. He showed me the switch. He said, this is a switch. When you do this way, the lights come on, and you do this way, the lights go up. I said, okay, all right. And then he took me around the house. He took me to the, to the toilet. And he said, this is a toilet. You press this button, and the water come out. I said, wonderful. You know, 
And then he took me to this, the room I was staying had a jacuzzi. And he took me to the jacuzzi. And he said, this is called jacuzzi. I said, okay. He said, this is how you operate it in all this water. I followed him all throughout his house. He showed me everything. I can see the joy on his face as he was teaching me. And I accepted everything. That is how our relationship became stronger. After a year, I invited him to Sierra Leone. And when he went to Sierra Leone, we have a very nice guest house. And I put him in one of the rooms that have a jacuzzi. And I did it with the purpose intentionally. He stayed in that room. After two days, he came out to me and said, Shidanke, I am so sorry. I said, for what? He said, I had no idea that you had electricity. You had all this switch. You had a toilet like this and a jacuzzi. He said, I'm so sorry. And I said, no, you don't need to say sorry about that. I said, I am a disciple maker. I have learned to learn from people. And that's how we became friends. So you have to be a great listener, a great learner. But also you have to, at the end, you also have to be a great storyteller or a great teacher or coach. When you learn from people, you listen to them. Now there will come a time that they will want to listen to you. And you can coach them, you can teach them, you can tell them your own story. So when we go to communities to serve them, that is how we serve the community. We serve them and we hear their own story. We learn from them. And now we tell them, we want to tell you a story about where we are coming from. And a story about a friend that we have that has touched our life and changed our lives. And they say, well, we want to hear the story. We tell them the story of our own villages and towns. And now we begin to tell them the story about our friend. And it will surprise you. Who is this friend? It's a story about God. We start the story from creation. We don't start with Jesus. Because when we are working among our cousins, creation is a common story that they understand. So we start from creation and we begin to tell them this story. Now, our guys are trained in such a way, you don't end the story one day. Because if you are going to stay in that community for one week or two weeks, you make sure you spread out the storytelling. You always stop the story at a climax, climax point where they want to hear more. So you tell the story, for example, we are talking about creation, why we are doing the wells, or we are giving them seed to plant in their farms, or we are doing school, we tell the story. Do you know that this whole world that we are living in, it was a place that was dark. It was shapeless. It had no form. It was so dark, pitch dark. Nothing was living. Do you know that? And they will say, yes, I think we read it. That's what the Quran said. And we say, yes, but do you know that one day the spirit of God was moving on the face of the earth? It was moving. You don't need to tell an African about a spirit. They know so much about spirits. That the spirit of God was moving. And when it moved, and then do you know what happened next? They said, no. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. That's how light came to your community. That's how the whole light came. I have seen people, you are telling them the story. about. They are clapping for that story. They are really clapping. Elders, learned people. And there is, do you know what happened the next day? And they said no. And we keep on telling the story of creation. When we come to the place where Jesus rested. And we tell them. After he has done all of this. Do you know what he did on the seventh day? They said no. We said he rested. So we are going to stop the story here tonight. 
We'll continue the story tomorrow. Now, we've always stopped at the climax point. They want to hear what happened after he rested the other day. Then we tell them, tomorrow, when you come, as we are walking, invite other family members to come and hear this story. The other day, they are, if they go out and they tell people, these guys know how to tell story. They are great storytellers. And they invite people to hear the story. While we are serving them, and through service, we have seen communities open up through service. And we normally say, whatever it takes. That is why I tell people, God has given you a gift that you have. That gift you can use to advance the kingdom. Every one of us have a gift. We have stories of people that do well. But we also do agriculture in communities. Some of the communities we go to, agriculture is what they do. And we come in. We provide seeds for them. And while they are doing the seed, we also bring trained agriculturists who are also trained disciple makers. We bring them and they help them how to do it. We use soccer as a way to serve the community. We go to communities and we know there are a lot of young people. Of course, soccer is like a religion in West Africa. In, in almost Africa, soccer is like a religion. It's a big thing. So we go to some villages when we realize there are a lot of younger people in the communities. We tell them, do you have a soccer team in this village? They say, oh no, we don't have a soccer team. Will you love to play a team that will come outside of your village to play a soccer team? They will say, yes, we want to play. We want to play a match. So what do we do? We provide a soccer jersey for them and a soccer ball. Maybe two soccer balls. I will tell them, practice for the next two weeks. We are bringing a team from the city. You are going to play a team from the city. But this team is a very good team. So you have to practice very hard. Those guys will begin to practice. And before the game, it becomes a whole community affairs. The whole village, neighboring villages are all coming together. Because maybe five villages will come together and form a team. Now the whole village on the day of the soccer, they come together. They have their local instruments. They are singing. They are cheering their team. You even see all women who don't know anything about soccer. They come out because the patriotism. This is about their tribe. This is about their village. So they are coming out to support their team. And we bring our guys from the cities. We train them. They are professional players. But we have this strategy as we serve communities. We always lose the first match. We'll play very well. We'll play very well. But at the tail of the game, we'll find a way so that they will win. And we lose so that Christ will win. So we really play very well. And when they win, I want you to know, the whole village, we go into dancing. It's a festival. They are dancing. That we've defeated this big city, this, this team from the city. We've defeated them. But the reason why we are doing it, we are trying to create relationship. You know, if you win the first game, they will not be motivated to play the second game. But if they win, they will be motivated. Because somebody that wins, the confidence level increases. And then we tell them, well, you've won this first match. We want to play another match to really find the rare champion. They say, come at any time. Anytime you come, we are going to defeat you. So we wait after two weeks. Most times, two weeks or three weeks, we come back to play the game. If and now, more people will come because their expectation to win is high. Well, when we come the second time, we trash them very seriously. Maybe six to nothing, seven to nothing. And now there is this holy anger inside of them. 
We've provoked them now into action. They want to really, now they will tell us, okay, we won the first match. You won this one, so we're equal. But we need to have the rare champion. So we need another match. But by the time we are playing the third match, these guys on the team have been trained to find friends, create relationships. And by the time we play the third match, it really don't matter who wins the third match. But I want you to know, there's an opening in that community. And they want to, and through that, we are able to tell the story. The story really is God's story. There are times we start with our own testimonies, what God has done in our lives. And then we go to his story. And then we begin to tell the story. We have seen people weep as we tell the story. They will cry. Adults. One of the times we were telling the story. And the place was packed full. And the baby started to cry. And the chief said, please take that baby away. Please take the baby away. Because they don't want anything to stop the storytelling. The other time we were telling the story. And the chief at the middle of the story. He hits the table so hard. Stop, stop. I was thinking, what's going wrong? We are talking about Jesus. At this point, we came to that point where Jesus came and all his good works and he was arrested. He was beaten. And when we came to that place, the chief hit the table and said, stop, stop. I want to know who are the people who did this to this man? Tell me who the people were. Who are the people? And then he said, if it is in my own village, those type of people, they will not be alive again. We'll kill all of them. That's wickedness. He shouted, okay, please, please, just. But when we finished telling the story, and we said, do you know why he did this? He did this because of you. Because of me. He loved us so much. He cared for us. He did all of this for us. So that he will be our friend. He will be with us. So that our lives and our villages and our home will change. And when we pass away, we'll have a place with him in heaven. And many people ask, then what can we do to be like this man? Because for us, whatever we do, we are pointing to him. Again, we are pointing always. We take the story away from us. It's all about him. That's why we serve with purpose. We serve with intentionality. So that at the end of the day, Christ will be exalted. And he alone will be seen. And he alone will be glorified. So we take the story away from us. It's all about him. And we have seen why we serve people. We have seen communities open up. We do every, whatever it takes. We use soccer. We have a whole soccer department. All they do, coaches. We've trained so many coaches in the country and beyond. Who were former Muslims and now to the follower of Jesus. Using soccer. We've taken whole villages using soccer. We do wells. We've done so many wells in communities. Hand dog wells. Some of them we drill. But most of it is done hand dog. Why? So that in the process of digging, we have enough time to tell the story. We've used agriculture. we use medical. You know, as we are talking about the dental guy. We've used dental work. Why they are cleaning the teeth and doing what they are doing, they are telling the story. That is the best time to tell any story. So whatever it takes, we have schools all over the place today. Some of those schools, we started under the tree. All we did was we brought a chalkboard and a teacher. And the kids would sit on the floor. And we start with math and English. 
So then those schools have grown. 300, 500, 1,000 kids now in those schools. We went to a community where the only education was the Arabic education. Quranic education. Today, those communities, some of them have had their first graduates. One of them have now a lawyer from those communities. And so the community has opened up for the gospel of Jesus. So whatever we do, wherever we go, we serve with purpose. And that purpose is to exalt the name of Jesus. Is to bring his word to the culture. We serve with purpose so that he will touch the hearts of the people in the community and transform them so that in their own language, in their own way, they can also lift up their hands and glorify him. So we have used that. I have used that in this culture. I have used it in other cultures. There are diverse ways to serve with purpose in different cultures, depending on the culture where you find yourself. But what is important? We serve with purpose, with intentionality, so that the gospel will spread. Thank you very much. there you have it. That was another incredible message from Shinake Johnson. And a couple things that stood out to me, just to remind you what he said, was that as believers, as disciple makers, we need to be great at three things. We need to be great listeners, great learners, and great storytellers. And he said, we need to listen no matter what we know um, to people's stories so that we can know who they are. And he said to learn to learn from people. And then also when we're telling our story about Jesus, whether it's a testimony or about the whole story, to be great at it. And he even talked about ending their stories like right at the climax of the story to leave people wanting more to go back the next time to tell more of the story. That's just mind-blowing. And it just gives me tools to use as I'm sharing the gospel with people in my neighborhood, with people in my, my circle of influence. So awesome stuff. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And on the next episode, we're going to have the rest of our partners come up and respond to his teaching and kind of talk back and forth on a little forum on what he said. So stay tuned for that. That'll come out next week. There's two things I want to remind you about before I sign off. One is our discipleship.org collective. It's a new online community designed around conversations about disciple making. We host gatherings on there online that you can take part of and all sorts of really cool resources to help you along your journey. So go to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for free. Also, mark your calendars for November 4th and 5th, 2021 in Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to be hosting another National Disciple Making Forum at Brentwood Baptist Church. So go to discipleship.org to buy your tickets now. And I look forward to being with you guys for that conference. It's going to be simply amazing. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.